All right, everybody, we've got another Food for Thought episode on the Max Effort Kitchen podcast. We got a top 10 show for you today, so let's go. All right, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. I'm your host, Chef Matt, joined by my co host, coming in at six foot five. Buck 55. <laughs> I was trying to rhyme. Buck 55, Mr. LeSean Thronton. Oh, what's up, Matt, the bureaucrat butterfat? How you doing? <laughs> you said butterfat. I love that. Oh, that was gold, dude. Wow. Well done. I'm going to. <laughs> well, well done on that. I know you're 6'6", six, six, or you're 6'7". Six seven, yeah. And you're yeah. more than Holy you're more man. than one fifty five. You're more than one fifty five. Yeah. You have yeah, to be. I, I'm like <laughs> two hundred. Yeah, yeah, Solid. Right, right, right. I'm I'm not as skinny as I uh used to be, but uh Okay. I think I could be if I was like a uh frequent uh cal- <laughs> calisthenics. I don't know. If I did anything If you did the jazzercise <laughs> if I jazzercise, you oh, jazzercise, save me! That oh, was so hard to do, dude. No, yeah, no, I don't. I'm not trying to do that. That would be hard, first of all, and then the tights you're wearing is just a whole nother ball game. Oh. <laughs> I don't, dude. Jazz. I've seen. I, I knew some mothers uh, growing up when I was 16. And I, I just like I'd hang out with moms all the time. All yeah. kinds of moms I'd be hanging out. Oh yeah, of and, course. Uh, <laughs> But they were in a jazzercise, and they. I once went because I my mom had to take me, and I had to like wait there where they're doing it. Yeah, and it was intense. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> dude!" Like all I do is play soccer. That's crazy. What yeah, doing in there. I mean, it was definitely we're we're, we're uh, products of the '80s, and that was that yeah. was a booming industry in the '80s. Oh man, I remember my my mom and my That'd sister be one did way it to too. Get fit. I mean, it was. Anyway, People thought it that. was fun. It was yeah. like, okay, how can yeah. we have fun? Let's let's do this dance. I'll, you know, whenever I think jazzercise, I always think, um, and I don't remember the movie, so you might have to actually call it out if you know it. But it's yeah. the um, uh, John Travolta and I think Olivia Newton, and Olivia Newton is the uh, uh, the destructor, and John Travolta is like hip thrusting with these little short shorts yeah, on and I'm send you that video. I've yes. sent you that video. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's with, uh, John Travolta and, uh, Jenny or, uh, Lee Curtis, Lee, yeah. Jamie yeah, Lee yeah. Curtis. Jamie That's Lee Curtis. who it was. Yes. And the movie is, or was it, is it perfect? I think I, uh, yeah, it dude. was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I, I think you're right on that. <laughs> like that scene is crazy, dude. It is his dick <laughs> is flopping around. I actually like. I love penis in movies. I want more of it. I think it is good, wholesome we've, comedy. Okay, we've <laughs> talked about this. The front tail is something like it needs to be shown more often. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. It is. I love, like, we, we saw, we talked about White Lotus. Yeah. Dick shot, that weird. That was like, gotta talk about that. That's water cooler talk. Do you see his dick? Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> I, I remember when that happened, I was like, I'm like hitting my, you know, hitting Alana on, on the shoulder. I'm like, did you see that hog right there? And she's like looking at me like, is that all you care about? Like, I'm like, well, come on. You know, and I, I, think, yeah. I think it's funny that they always try to make the penis like really large in movies. I know. Uh, I do too. Yeah. I think that's funny, but I, I like a good, like a good nineties French film. And it's like, just some like hairy dude with a tiny little, <laughs> you just see the head kind those of popping out a little bit. Yeah. Those are the best. <laughs> I'm like, Woo! Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> You're reminding me of some uh, not so appropriate films I may have watched when I was younger. 
Oh, not, nothing better to start a, a show off with some good old fashioned penis talk. Um, I mean, yeah. you listen, you know, you have a little boy. I have an eight year old little boy. Like that's yeah. all they talk about is their penis it's and a, balls. And it's oh. a, yeah, it's uh Luden does like spooks. He, like he wants you to come up the stairs. We don't know he's there. And he jumps out. He's like, my penis. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know where it comes from. Like I didn't. I never initiated the joke. You okay. know, I don't, I'm that my kids have seen me nude, of course, but right. it's not like, I don't, we're not doing what they do. So no. it, it's something that they, they see it hangs, it shakes. <laughs> the funny thing is I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah. I was out by my, I walked outside for some reason and Jack's like, Oh, I'm going to come with you. And we're standing outside. And I think it was like, it was around Christmas time. And, I'm like kind of stringing up some lights on the house. And he goes, dad, I just got another random boner. And I looked at him and I'm like, bro, you need to put that thing away. And he's just standing there and he just pulls it out. And I'm like, man, go in the house, man. Like there's no qualms. And I I just, I, I personally, I don't remember being like that when I was a kid. I'm sure I was, but there, there is an, uh, a very, um, a fascination with the front tail, like <laughs> that, that, uh, uh, the kids have. And I, I just find it absolutely hilarious. No matter what it yeah. cracks me up every time. It does me too. Yeah. And like my daughter, Hazel, like, at, will play around, like will be part of the joke too. And they just make it, uh, um, that's great. They just make it. That's uh, great, dude. <laughs> make it a good joke. House comedy. It is house comedy, and I think that it's it's healthy to have that and healthy to talk about it. You know, because yeah, I don't know about you, but like you know, growing up, there was so much uh, uh, not negativity, but like taboo around talking about stuff like that, and you know, and and sexuality was just a, a very taboo thing. Um, oh yeah, you would not. You want to use a language. You oh, call it your bottom. Yes, yes. In school, like sex ed was like, you know, someone would always be complaining about it. Yep. They wouldn't want you to go challenge into it. Yep. You would have yes. friends over, and maybe you, I mean, you would try to like uh, hide about it and not talk about it with your friends. You know, like my parents bought me this weird like the human body book and it was all about like puberty and pictures and all that but like if a friend of mine came over and saw that you would get like teased about it and you're like oh oh yeah oh yeah that's great i remember (laughs) this is such a weird memory my so my dad got like poison oak right and um Mm. we were we were staying at a, a like a vacation home in in mckenzie bridge off the mckenzie river over here and uh I walked in the bathroom cause I was like trying to talk to my mom and he's in the bathtub and it was the first time I saw his penis. And I just remember looking at him and go, ew. And he just looks at me and he goes, get out of here. <laughs> and so now like I, you know, Jackson seen me nude and he's just like, dad, look at your penis. <laughs> like, oh man. Anyways. That's funny. It's good. time. It's my good dad times. would, uh, my dad would like come home from work. And sometimes he'd say like, "Hey, you like you have to talk to you about something half of school." Mom told my mom told about it, and he would change while talking to me nonchalantly. <laughs> he would be new, and I was like, this, "I feel like this doesn't even. I can't even learn anything because I can't keep my eyes." You know, I once I once learned <laughs> from <laughs> that. See, and that's kind of a an interesting move because I once learned from a therapist that when you're fighting with your wife or your partner or whatever. Um, and yeah. it's, and it, you know, we all get into these like little stupid arguments, um, that really probably don't mean as much as, as you think they do in the moment, but she's like, okay, well, next time you guys are arguing about that, just get naked. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, she's like, just what? get, just get <laughs> naked. And I'm like, but what, how, how's that going to work? And she's like, just try it because the whole idea is to just shift the mind. Right. It's to make the mind yeah. just like move somewhere else to get it off of whatever it's dwelling on. And, and uh, I tried it once and it worked once. It didn't work the second time though. <laughs> she just flipped me off and walked away. And I was like, okay, uh, well, at least, to, at least we're not I fighting. I could never do that. <laughs> <laughs> <I could> never. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, I, I think it's one of those uh, those you know circus tricks that works once. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyways, you know, uh, Sean, what'd you what'd you have for dinner tonight? Oh, <laughs> I had pizzicato pizza. So I had a slice and Brussels sprouts. Oh, that's it great. It was very good. I really like the eggplant pizza, Matt. It awesome. Was awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I th- uh, and my mom also really liked it. And uh, we, we, it was, it was nice. I'm happy that you brought it on the menu. Yeah. Um, it's, will, will eggplant win the, the month? I don't know. I don't know. God damn, it tastes good. Yeah. You know, it was one of those, uh, those pizzas or the recipes that I, like it's just a really down home comfort food feel to me. And like, you know, I grew up um, eating a lot of like um, eggplant in lasagna. Right. And so I was like, how, mm-hmm. how can I transform this um, to be on a pizza and not be this like super heavy um, overbearing, really wet pizza. Right. And uh, you know, and here's the thing that has always, I've always struggled with. And I don't know if you struggle with this cause I know you cook with eggplant. Um, I never really quite grasped how to roast it in cubes because um, part of me was so impatient that I'm like, this is just not working. But with Mm -hmm. eggplant, you just, you know, there's, I was, I was, it was drilled in my head that you always had to get the water out of it before you cooked it. But that's not true. Mm -hmm. It's not true at all. Mm. And um, so with this recipe specifically, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to see what happens. And I, you know, I put a little oil on it, salt and pepper, and I just roasted it and I, but I let it go past what I know, which was like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I start to see it like, you know, it's re- it gets really firm at first and then it starts to brown around the edge. And then next thing you know, you're starting to get that like nice, uh, inside the creamy inside and the, the skin is a little forming on the outside. Dude, I was like, my mind blew. It was crazy. I, I, I'm so happy yeah. that it, I got it through though. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I think the balsamic vinegar, I actually like, I think there's some good flavor there. I know sometimes eggplant can get lost, but I think it got trapped in there with whatever was put around it. Yeah. The balsamic yeah. vinegar oil. Yep. I think you're right. Salt pepper is just good. Um, but yeah, I I've been following a technique where you microwave the eggplant for a bit beforehand to dry it out, and then then pan roast it, uh, oven roast it. Okay. Um, Interesting. So the aspect of getting water out, I yeah. guess if I've also just roasted it on a pan and I, it's fine. It works out sometimes. It can be too soft, but I also think it's about how accurately you're cutting everything. So there's symmetry in the way it cooks. Yep. Uh, what kind of eggplant you're using. Oh, um, I time. do think like Japanese eggplant is a little bit easier to roast. Absolutely. Uh, than is. our traditional eggplant that has much more seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, like Japanese eggplant stir fries, it's, it's impressive how it browns little spots around the skin. Yeah. And those little like flecks of flavor and, texture just really make it bounce i I like it like bounces in your mouth it's got it's got spring to it i love it that nuts and and that's what you want you know you don't want this like pile of mush you want something that is going to have some firm but like you know my i've always explained eggplant is like when you when you know it's right it's perfectly creamy on the inside it has a little bit of tooth and you just you know, eggplant doesn't have the uh, most vibrant flavor on its own, but it is such a um, vessel to add flavor to, and it just takes it on really well. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find a balance of like spice versus, you know, fat, acid, all that stuff, then man, there, there's just no way to go wrong. You're going to cr- please whoever you're putting that in front of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Um, so I uh, am actually took a good opportunity just to make some a good old fashioned like hunter sauce, some pasta, okay. and yeah. And I'm not I'm not super proud of this, but hey, I, I like <laughs> I like a bag salad. Like I'm talking like the uh, the iceberg, the shaved carrots, uh, and whatever else comes in that. I <laughs> think that's pretty much it. But like 
and with some, with some like really like Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. I like that with pasta, and it's something with my childhood. I don't know where it came from, but it's like this is this really like checkered white, you know, black and or red and white checkered tablecloth type of food, Italian food. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like this. I don't yeah. know, dude. And so we did. A, I did a rigatoni. Um, I, you know, I, I like to do it all in one pot. So I actually like I'll boil the the uh, cook the pasta, drain it, make my sauce, throw the pasta back in there, let it sit on low with the cover on it. And I don't, you know, obviously you can't cook your pasta fully the first time. It's it's more. It's just about al dente, but not quite there. And then you know, eat it up. It's good stuff, man. It's like yeah. comfort food for me. So. All right. Well, great. we have some uh, we have some fun things to talk about. We're going to do a uh, top ten show today. We're going to talk about uh, Sean and I each are going to take five things that we uh, most enjoy cooking. Um, you know, are basically our five almost favorite recipes, or just the five things we really enjoy cooking. We're going to talk about it. We're going to tell you why we like it and whatever other fun thing that comes about. So, you want to kick it off? All right, definitely, sure. Okay, so number one is going to be Guy Yang, which is a Thai-style grilled chicken. Um, It comes with a a, a dipping sauce that is sweet and sour, um, but I also like to make a more savory uh, sauce that's made with like a a black bean sauce, and then uh, pretty spicy that will have two sauces with it. Um, the, the chicken is something that you brine for about an hour. Okay. Um, and then you put in a marinade that is with, uh, Thai is with tons of garlic, ginger, uh, coriander, cilantro, salt, and oil. Um, and then you grill it with all that on there. Um, always eat it with sticky rice and then you cut up some fresh, clean vegetable, like, might be cabbage slices, could be cucumbers, uh, or just cilantro stems, um, and then sticky rice, and then your sauces. It's a eat-with-your-hands meal. Oh, um, love it's that. pull chicken apart, dip it in sauce, pick up some of your sticky rice. Uh, we do it bone-in, skin-on. I'll do it chicken-thigh only. Uh, if I do chicken-thigh only, it's a much quicker process. Okay. Uh, and my family seems to like it a little bit more, but I do prefer the skin-on chicken thighs. Okay. Uh, I've done it with just drumsticks. Um, tried really at all. It's a staple. I probably sent you photos of it before. Yeah. I eat it once to twice a month. Nice. Uh, I have chicken right now defrosting in my fridge to do it tomorrow when I get home from work. Uh, yeah. So, so it's, uh, that is number one meal. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, no, so tell me something. And this is uh, something that I think that maybe most people don't uh, quite grasp, but talk to me why you prefer a bone-in versus not a bone-in. Well, one big reason for bone-in, it, well, bone-in skin on is I like the skin a lot. I like to eat that skin. Um, I like the saltiness that it brings on, the texture. I like how bone-in has juicier Uh, I also like chewing meat off the bone. I enjoy the process of pulling and digging into it. It is, it just is like full enjoyment, like embracing it all. Yeah. Uh, And when I do thighs, like what my family really likes that if I do the thighs is that I'll like get the chicken, let it cool a bit. And I'll just like cut slices of it. And then you like lay those slices on top of your little mound of rice and they oh, like that because awesome. then there's, you know, they're, then they could use a fork and a spoon if they want to, but they just like that look a little more. Um, I, my mom is totally into bone in, uh, but Steffi and is not so much. And yeah, neither of my kids, they will do it. <laughs> Steffi will do it. Though. Yeah. I like, you know, bone in the way I've always thought about bone in is like, first of all, that bone is going to add a little bit of extra flavor. It also, mm-hmm. Um, if you're roasting it, like if you're actually like, you know, if you're cooking it in the oven and roasting it up, you know, that bone almost acts as if it's cooking from the inside out as well. And mm-hmm. depending on how long you're roasting it, like if it's a low and slow or if it's a quick thing, then probably not. But like, um, 
if I'm doing bone in, it's going to be something like in a cacciatore or it's going to be something in like that because I want, first of all, I want the flavor from that bone and bones do have flavor no matter if it's a chicken bone or mm-hmm. not. But like, I also want it to kind of cook the inside at, at a little bit of a slower pace, but it still is cooking the inside. So you're not, so you're not cooking the outside really hard and you're waiting for the temperature to get into it. You're almost cooking it from both ends, you know, from the inside and the inside out and then outside in. I think you get a better product that way, personally. Yeah. So definitely. Awesome. I see that. All right. The other good part about this meal is the second thing that happens, okay. which is something that's all I think might come up as symmetry with some of my meals, is that they have like a practicality the next day with Ooh. leftovers. It can be repurposed, added into something else. Okay. Um, so, like, there's always chicken left over. So, what do you do with the chicken the next day? Ah, like, that's sort of like. That's the best. That's, I love that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, being uh, able to. I don't know. I, people, a lot of people call it food prep. I don't want, I don't definitely call it food prep. I'm calling it being versatile and how you're using a product. And you can, mm-hmm. you can do chicken. We've talked about this the other day, you know, doing chicken like two, three different ways. It can be, yeah. most of our products can be used in multiple faucets. So, um, okay. Mm-hmm. So I am going to be, right. <laughs> you're going to, you're, you're going to, I don't know what you're going to think. Uh, this is one of my favorite things to do at home. And obviously in my career too, is pizza. And I, I say that because of, uh, bread. I love cooking bread. I think that bread is an art, right? And to okay. me, all pizza is, is is bread with toppings on top of it. And so there's something really magical. And we just did this last uh, Sunday. There's something really magical about cooking pizza at home with your kids and family. It is an all-encompassing family event. You know, we're, we're playing with the mm-hmm. dough. We're learning how to toss it. We're getting flour everywhere. We're talking about temperatures We're, you know, like we made, uh, made the dough, you know, the night before and, and I'm talking about it and I'm, you know, teaching my kids and, you know, and they're thinking it's really cool. And we're talking about the yeast and how it, how, you know, how it creates those big air bubbles and, and why you want it to let it rest and, and let the yeast, you know, eat all the sugars. And, and so there's just this ultimate learning process and, bonding process but on top of that the the flavors you can get out of building a pizza and you know when i say pizza i'm not talking like i'm not we're not making pepperoni pizza we're 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 putting different ingredients on it we're having fun with it Mm -hmm. you know we're Mm -hmm. and and this is a a a cheeky thing but like we're making a dessert pizza we're making you know stuff like that and there's always a little extra dough and the kids are like you know sitting there like rolling it out and trying to learn how to throw it and there's just, it, it was like, it's just one of those things that warms my heart. And like, it's a lot of work, but like, I am down to the point where I bought myself a little wood fire, like, you know, pizza oven that I keep on my back porch four times like this, because it's just, it's such a good feel food and it brings people together and I love it. It's family style too. And I love everything about family style. I did too. Like one of my favorite qualities of pizza is the share. Yeah. And we've been kind of talking a lot about that. We've been, I've been talking a lot about uh, about talking about food. Yes. And it's really fun to do to me. And I, one thing about pizza is it really makes that happen because you're, you're taking from the same place. You're putting your hand in the same circle. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a community aspect to it. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, it is. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I obviously I love to talk about food too. That's why that's where this podcast came from. So, um, dude, it, you're, we're all in good company. I love it. Uh, Supper Club. Anyways, um, what's your what's your next dish? All right, um, I got it. I'm not trying to get sidetracked into like doing. The, I'm going to think here for a second. Okay, so my last chicken dish. Um, which is cowman guy okay. where you take an entire chicken, uh, you boil the chicken in water with uh, seasoning in the water, coriander, galanga or ginger, lemongrass, uh, cilantro, 
Um, and then you boil the chicken. Now, boiling the chicken is you kind of you bring it to a boil, you submerge it, then you're simmering it for a period of time. You take it off heat and it just kind of cooks itself. You pull it out. Um, your chicken's completely done. Then you have that broth. That broth is going to be used for drinking while eating. Okay. Um, and then also saving for making uh, other stock dishes that you might use. Uh, you serve it with rice, and it comes with a, a spicy, savory dipping sauce. This is very much like the other one, but it's all done indoors. This is the other dish that we eat all the time. Um, drinking stock while eating tender chicken with rice is a complete full body experience. It is the, the, the stock is rich of flavor. Obviously you cook the whole chicken. It it has earthy notes from like ginger. It has the citrus element from lemongrass. And then just that fat that you have in a thick chicken stock that is there. It is very rewarding. Um, with the savory spicy sauce, it cleans the palate. Uh, it is an all timer. I love Cowman it. guy. Cowman guy. That now these recipes that you're bringing are very, um, they're very unique to, uh, the, you know, the, the style that you eat. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. and I would almost, I'm, I'm going to guess here. You probably grew up eating a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Living in Thailand. I did. I experienced that stuff. And then I've just always, uh, we had someone who was, um, uh, so we had someone in house who made food, <laughs> and it wasn't my mom. We had a. a I understand. I understand and, where you're uh, going. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like, oh my god. Um, I learned a lot from her. Yeah, I always cook with her. My, my mom was always a big cook. We love cooking. She would make these meals, but then I also like just kept it with me, and then. You know, there's I have cookbooks, Thai cookbooks, and you just kind of like play around with. These are very simple things to make too. Both of these dishes. Yeah. Well, um, they, they, you can yeah, do they sound a lot it. with it. Yeah. They sound they sound simple, but like you know, I think uh, wh- one thing that you're doing really well is you're talking about the ingredients and how it's flavoring um, mm-hmm. the ingredients, and and that makes a huge difference because you could just say what the dish is and why you like it, and then move on, and it's like okay. Um, now I have to go uh, search what this thing is, but you're, dude, I mean, by just listening to you say all the different ingredients, I'm like, oh, okay, that goes well. Oh, perfect, that's a great match. Oh, you're hitting all components, and it makes sense on why you know it's something that you like. So um, I have not it's had a, that uh, before. Okay, so we have it in Portland. I can make it. We should make it for our uh, for one of our things that we do one day. Yeah. Um, but. Like in Thailand, in central Thailand um, and southeastern Thailand, this is a very popular street food that you get in a banana leaf. All those components oh. and you that your banana leaf is your plate. OK. OK. So you're you're given you're given utensils, uh, but a lot of it is hands on at the same time. Um, and you have a little tiny cup. Now, like I had this experience one time where we went to this place you get in a banana leaf and they just, you're like just on you're on these little stools outside on the side street and they're serving broth in these cups and they're just giving you this like red and orange cup and you're just it was just a great experience but in portland there's cow man guy from nong's cow man guy yes. and her restaurant is it lives on this one dish and it is that classic perfect and i think a couple of shows ago we we're talking about what kind of restaurant you open up? You like a place that just does one single dish that mm-hmm. translates for any time for lunch or dinner. It's compactable. It's easy. It's quick. And yeah. That's why it's, it does so well in Thailand, but it is, uh, I guess it's like the way we eat hamburgers, the way they eat that in Thailand, you know, it's just there. It's always available. It's something to get. I like it. Well, that's a good segue into the next one that I, that is yeah. one of my favorite things to cook. And that is the all American hamburger. And, mm. uh, um, I'm not going to tell you that I, I grind my meat all the time because I don't, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. there is probably two to three times a year that I will grind my own meat and make hamburger. And I'm telling you, and we talked about this a little bit, um, on our last episode where, um, we were talking about the menu, the movie, um, and how he was making that burger. And there's a shot of where he puts the, the burger on the flat top. And you see the strands of meat and it's 
the the one thing that is so beautiful about that and I, I and it gives me goosebumps to even like look at it and think about it is w- he's not putting um eggs uh onions and a bunch of stuff he's not making meatloaf and then making it a burger he's letting mm-hmm. the meat speak for itself right you know seasoning on top good hot grill let the grease let it cook in its own grease type thing and to me I think that um, mm. you you know you're really it's it's really allowing ground beef to shine for what it is, and just some good old fashioned seasoning. I like to take you know okay so so let's say I'm doing that time where I grind it up. I'll grind it up, um, and I will. This is the funny little thing, but I'll take a little. I'll take one piece of bacon fat and I'll kind of like rip it up and throw it in there, so it has a little bit extra fat. And then I'll, right. I'll form the burger, I'll form the ball, I'll put it on uh, the flat top outside, and I'll just let the ball sit there and sizzle. And it's as hot as I can get it, right? I'll even put a little bit of oil on there to try to get the temperature up more. And then once I start seeing, because uh, you can look at the ball, and you can start to see the temperature uh, cook the meat, and it rises from the bottom. And it starts to turn, uh, you know, from a little bit light gray to a little bit darker. And that's how you, you start to see that. Once that's about a quarter of the way up, then I smash it. And you get this, okay, this yeah. like caramelized beef. And it's, it's so, um, it's, just, it's just raw. It's just perfect. It is beef at its best, in my opinion. Um, I now I'm not going to lie. I do take onions and I caramelize them and put them on top. I'll do American cheese because that's the only cheese you could have. You should have on a burger, and uh, that movie tells you why. But I'm going to tell you again. It's because it's the only cheese that doesn't break, so it actually yeah. um, coats the burger. And when it hits the flat top, it it sears a little bit, and that's cool. <laughs> I love like that, those little mm-hmm. those little crispy flakes of cheese on there, um, and then it, and and here's what makes a good burger to me a bun. You got yeah, I, you know I've been playing around with different buns, but I do I've been doing lately I've been doing a like a sweet Italian roll or I mean sweet Hawaiian roll I'm sorry, and I I make the burger and I use that as my roll or as my bun. It's okay, but dude, a good brioche uh, seeded bun that you can almost, you know, that I'll smash it. Actually, when I put it on, I'll actually take it and I'll smash it into the plate a little bit so it's thin and it gets all covered in grease. To me, Mm. I like Mm. that. Here's another thing that I do that a lot of people don't do is I don't toast my buns, but what I will do is I'll take a torch from pretty far away and I'll toast the pot, the seeds on top, the sesame seeds. Okay. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but it brings mm-hmm. a whole nother level. No torch at home. Yeah. <laughs> well that, yeah, you might need that, but <laughs> um, you, yeah, it, it, it brings a whole nother level of like the smokiness to the burger. You know, I'll serve that with some fries. We'll do it with like chips and potato salad. It's your, it's our very, very typical, you know, summer, Saturday meal and it just it's a good feel and I love just the authenticity authenticity yeah. of the beef. Yeah. I I really like hamburgers and that shit has got me a little weak right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> love it. What love. I like about hamburgers in a way when it's like real good yeah. is um like I'm holding it and I want to say this little motherfucker's tasty. Like <laughs> that's like it's it's something about all of it combined into one in its simplicity. Yeah, the fat content, the taste of beef, that cheese. It's just, it just it just is a it just is titillation of the tongue, and you just want to talk to it. It really is. You just want to look at it. I let you look at it while you're eating it. I love it. Yeah, I do. I couldn't agree with you more. And yeah, there's such a vast difference in a bad burger versus a good burger. And oh, yeah. you know, I tell you, if if anybody out there is listening and you've never 
um, ground your own meat. Just give it a shot. It gives you so much control. Yeah, or go somewhere that does it. Does it for you. Because, like, yeah. the, the, uh, the fast food hamburger doesn't necessarily bring – it doesn't bring that – it doesn't bring that wow factor. It no. just doesn't. No, but, I think it's in its own category. I and mean, it's hard to even call that a hamburger, right? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and we're, we live in Portland, so we have access to this stuff. Like, you don't even have to do it at home. And you can get yourself a $13 hamburger. And <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. You can get yourself a $20 hamburger, really, if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. All right, what's uh, what do you got next? All right, uh, clams. Ah, uh, yes. In white wine. Um, and I serve it with... Uh, generally like uh, pasta lemon, so a lemon pasta. Yes. Um, almost, I, I have dabbled around with different variations of clam broth. Um, I, like white wine is what I always go to, um, but I have done some coconut style, um, like Tom Ka style, which is pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, it's shallots, garlic, white wine, butter, lemon, and parsley. And... It is amazing. Clams have a very romantic, it's romantic eating them. The taste of the ocean, it's clean. The broth is delicious. It makes you warm when you eat it. It's kind of like hot because it temps hot. And you do a little pasta, you can like pop some of the clam juice on your pasta and stuff. I just love it. Um, Every time we go to Long Beach, we um, make it. It's a tradition. Um, So I eat it, uh, I eat it every time and I eat it in gobs. Uh, get clams like when they have it on the menu I always want to get it especially when people get pretty creative mm-hmm. with the broth mm-hmm. um, Japanese style has some really interesting stuff um, yeah it's it's a winner clams steamed in white wine that see and there's something the the fresh factor of that is it's absolutely um, unmatched and even though you know you're talking about putting it over pasta and, and the broth and everything, but there, yeah. like you said, like you're, you're tasting the sea, right? You're, you're eating the mm-hmm. ocean and you're not doing much to, you didn't give me like a laundry list of ingredients there. Um, Oh, it's easy. It's super easy. Right. And it, that is, yeah. you know, that's something, um, that was on my list, you know, clams and mussels in a, like a spicy tomato broth. And yeah, I, uh, there's something about that right there that and you have this nice like toasted baguette with a bunch of butter on it and you're oh, just yeah, you know baguette, you're just sitting yeah. there and you're enjoying you're eating with your hands and there's here this comes up again is eating with your hands yeah. there there's something a, a little carnal a little romantic a little like um i i can do what i want type with this yeah yeah i don't know i i think that um so- you really hit on something I there. I once did, uh, I did it with a, so like I did it with a saffron rouille. Oh. Is that what it's called? R-O-U-I-L-E. So I made like a butter like that and I yeah. put that on the baguette. Yeah. Like the white wine dip. That was like one of the best experiences I've had. It just, that like takes the dish to like, you have more things that you're doing when you're just doing the simple thing. Um, but you're right. Butter and bread is also like, that's a jump off too. <laughs> I know, right? You know, it's um I am the guy that will like sit there and I'll eat, you know, the clams and, and the shells in a different dish and I'll sit there and dip the bread, but I will drink that broth afterwards. And Oh yeah. You, you just like if you leave the broth, I'm going to make fun of you if you if you're eating dinner with me because like you just, that's that's the gold, man. That is where it's yeah. at. I like your move. Oh, I also with, like it cuz it's a, a loud meal. Because <laughs> you're like yes, it clicking is. and clanking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's like uh, we used to always joke. Um, we have like at this restaurant I worked at, we would eat that, and we we would eat a dish that's called vongolet, which is you know it's basically clams over pasta and a, and a buttery garlic sauce. So, um, but mm-hmm. there was a uh, a little metal like pan that we would put on the ground, and every time you ate, you ate a clam, you would throw it, and it'd be like ding. And you just hear that, like, uh, yeah. you know, we'd be doing family, yeah. family meal yeah. or whatever. And you just like, ding, all night, ding, like, ding. And it's like, <laughs> it's a loud dish, but it's fun. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you got next. All right. Next, I'm going to say um, 
and this is this is just something um, I I used to love. Like I used to ask me what I love to cook, what meal I love to cook the most, and I would always tell you breakfast. I, that's kind of changed a little bit, but this is a dish that can be eaten for breakfast or for dinner, and it's a smoked salmon hash. And this is like, I, and I'm talking like I'm Yukon potatoes, uh, garlic, rosemary, capers. Um, I'm putting uh, bacon in there, and then I'm I'm actually doing that all in the cast iron, and I'm throwing that cast iron in the uh, in the oven, and I let it roast. And then I, and I'm talking like seven, 10 minutes out of like a 425 oven, let it roast. I'll pull that out. And then right before I serve it, I'll take, um, I'll take the smoked salmon and I'll, you know, rip it up and throw it on there. I'll, I'll hit it with like a, uh, what's it, what are the chive, like creme fraiche or chive, you know, sour cream, whatever you want to use, but I like the creme fraiche. It's a little more tart and I'll just dollops of that on there. And it just sits in this pan. I'll throw some arugula, squeeze of some lemon. And it's like, I'm telling you, you can eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And it is, again, another family-style thing where everybody's just like pulling out of that same dish. And, and Yeah, and you can play with your root vegetables so much yes, with that. I love absolutely. It. You can, you, you know, it's potato. You could do uh, celery root. You can, um, you can get pretty creative with hash. It's it's an open invitation to get creative. It I've really is. It. it was one, you know, and, and I'm going to say it was like one of the first things that I started learning about creativity and uh, flavor combinations with. Because, you know, we have all these things that we've talked about, and but like this is like you're really combining different aspects of flavor and trying to make it one dish. And um, you can get too crazy, uh, but you can also mm-hmm. you can also not put enough. I've had it. I've had it before where it's just like this is uh, this doesn't taste like anything. Like I'm eating potatoes mm-hmm. and fish on top of it. Um, but it is one of those things that like really, I, if I think back in my memory of cooking, like I, this is where I started learning how to build flavor and build it by using time and temperatures. And it's just uh, because, you know, you never want to put the salmon on, you know, before too early because you're going to overcook that stuff. And smoked salmon is so great. We, I used locks one time and that was, that was mind blowing. Now, yeah. I got, I'm not going to say my family liked that, but I'm, I, I I really enjoyed it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I messed around with, instead of the creme fraiche, I put cream cheese and that didn't really work because of the way the the Mm -hmm. cream cheese melted. But, um, it is, it's a vessel to be creative and that's what I love about it. Hollandaise is always a (laughs) dude. You can put some poached poached eggs on there, throw some hollandaise and and it's over. Like, just like eat it, call work. Yeah. I'm not coming in. Not I'm coming doing in. good. I just had the best meal. I need like three hours. Yeah, I'll I'll see you after lunch, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I love I love making up. So do you? Uh, I guess. Well, as, what are you cooking your hash in? What skillet? I'm using cast iron. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do too. Yeah, I have a, I have a 12 inch uh, cast iron that. You know, I've had for going on about 13 years now and it's, you know, it's my baby. It's, it's, I, mm-hmm. I don't let, you know, Alana knows that she just, she doesn't want to cook with it at this point because she knows how finicky I am with it. And, right. uh, yeah, I just, you, you know, you, you try to put some soap in there and I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to be very happy. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so some steel wool oh you might as well just leave for the night like just go <laughs> go get a hotel room or something yeah there, it's over when we were when we first um when we first started dating uh well it was a lot it was a little it was probably two years into dating um she uh left it sitting in the sink with some water in it and i i about flipped my lid <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what to do. Oh, I was yeah. like, I, and I thought yeah. it was common knowledge, obviously, but it, uh, it was not. So um, never do that to your cast no. iron pan, people. <laughs> never. 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 Oh, uh, yeah. So, all right, what you got? All right. Hungarian beef stew. Ah, yes. Um, I just saw this recipe. Oh, love it. Boneless beef, Chuck. You know, three and a half hours. Paprika. 
tomato, vinegar, onions, carrots. Uh, I, I, I haven't decided. I get, I go up and down. Do I like egg noodles? Do I want to do it over boiled potatoes? I think boiled potatoes feels like definitely more European. Um, there's something I like about egg noodles uh, a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like it a lot. The thing is, is that it's like so meat heavy that it isn't a winner in my house. Uh, but I ah. still make it annually. Oh, nice. Uh, because it is, it, it just, I overeat it. I love it. And it's so simple. It's another word. Is, I'm hitting this, this. It is paprika, tomato, carrot, onion. I've been using jarred roasted peppers in it too, drained and rinsed. I like that flavor that it brings to the sauce. Oh, nice. Um, but vinegar too. And then, I mean, it's, it's great. You can top it with some sour cream also. That's kind of normal. Um, I don't always do that, but it is a nice little creaminess that kind of like cuts through the flavor a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's where it's at. Hungarian beef stew for the win. That, uh, dude, and, and I, so I'm, I was pulling out, going through all my recipes, and I found that recipe. And uh, we used to make it at, at Lovejoy a long, long time ago. And I'm looking at this recipe and I'm just like, oh, this brings back like, I just got so many memories that comes with that, that dish alone. It was made a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, I mean, it has German, Eastern European roots. It ha- it is, we don't really goulash like that in the U.S., but I think uh, it's probably not as common as it once was. Like what my parents, my mom would do it, she's German. This yeah. was something we would eat. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I appreciated it enough at that age that I do now. Um, but it, it's it's also pretty inexpensive because getting like chuck eye roast is an inexpensive beef cut. Uh, I like that about that or like using pork butt. It's like you can get a lot for not a lot of money. Um, and braising is is pretty easy. You know, it, it is. Not it much really technique is, is needed. Re- follow a recipe play around with it, how, you know, but for the most part, braising is hands off. That's another reason why you like it. You can do a lot of other stuff while it's going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just made a, I just made a 12 hour, I was it on Sunday. Yeah. I made a 12 hour beef stew, just a, a just, you know, Mm. kind of your basic beef stew. Here's, here's something that happened. Um, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have beef stock and, Mm. It was, uh, it was probably too late for me to run to the store or even, you know, obviously too late for me to make any beef stock. And I used, <laughs> I used chicken stock and I felt very, hmm. very odd about this. Um, and then I was like, you know what, here's what I'm going to do is I, I, I did the uh, chicken stock. I threw, uh, some balsamic reduction in there, um, and uh, yeah. some Worcestershire sauce. And then I was like, I, and then I, I did uh, double the amount of chicken stock that I would do beef stock. And said, and I was like, okay, I'm going to let this cook for 12 hours. And I just I brought it to a, a little boil, and then I put the, um, put the lid on it. And about every three hours, I took the lid off and let you know, some, of the, some of it cook down. Um, but I just kept it on the stovetop, and I let it just cook and cook and cook and cook for about, about 12 hours put it, you know, cooled it down, put it in the refrigerator, ate it the next day. And I'm telling you, man, I w- if, I, if I didn't know I put chicken stock in there, I would have never have known. And I'm glad I did because yeah. it was rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. interesting. I like that. I, I, you yeah. know, it was, a, it was a, as a happy accident. If I did it again, I would probably have beef stock. But um, it did give it uh, a, a different feel. And I'm, I'm, I have, I have a little bit left and if you're at the office tomorrow, I'll bring you some, um, but, and, and have you try it because I, it's, it was really interesting. Yeah. So anyways, um, okay. So how many, how many recipes have we said so far? How many have you said? I think we've done four eat four. I've each. done four. So you're going to four. I'm going on four right now. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know my number one and, and here, this one is going to be a little bit different. Um, than what we've been talking about, but it's your traditional apple pie. And I, there is something um, very interesting about cooking an apple pie. It was a very hard thing for me to do for a while. Um, I could never get the filling to be the way I thought it should be. Um, You know, just with that perfect amount of gelatinous, uh, like the, the, you know, the sauce, Um, the, the dough, 
you get you uh, making a pie dough is such a um it brings a visceral effect to me because you're, you know, I use my hands and I, you know, I put the cold butter in there and I just sit there and, and I, I rub it through my hands until the, my hands are, the warmth of my hands are kind of warming it up a little bit and getting it to break up at the same time. And then you got this lovely, like flour or butter flour situation. Um, and then, you know, I'll press it and I'll put it in the, uh, on the refrigerator for overnight. And then I take it out. And as I'm rolling it out with the pin, I'm seeing these giant, like these chunks of butter. And I'm like, if I'm seeing that it's right. And you know, you, I, I always cook my, my apple pie in my cast iron. So lay the, lay it down in there. Um, I use a granny Smith, uh, apple yeah. because I, I just don't, I've played around with it. You know, I'm like, well, do I use this apple? Do I use this apple? No. Um, always take the skin off. Always core it. And I will, um, you know, I played, I, I, I really struggled with this one because a lot of recipes will tell you or would tell me to like cook the apples before. I don't like to do that because I like my apple pie to have a little or my apples to have a little bit of a tooth in them. I don't like them to be mm-hmm. like this soggy, like, you know, f- you know, you pick it up and it's just a limp thing. And so I will, I'll coat them. I'll coat the apples with the cinnamon and the brown sugar and everything. And I'll put them in, um, and a little bit of flour too. I'll put it in the, in the pie dough or the pie crust and then mounds of butter on top. I will do a full cover for the top. I don't do the lattice, um, the lattice test my patience beyond what I want to. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah. do a full cover and then I cut the slit in the middle and I cook it off. Uh, I bake it at three fifty, nice and slow and low. And I'll, I'll actually take milk and I'll rub it on the, or I'll, I'll sprinkle it on the top of the crust cause that helps the browning. Um, and I mean, you bite into that with some, with some vanilla bean ice cream. Does, does dessert get any better? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know, man. I like you didn't say cinnamon, right? I didn't hear you say cinnamon or nutmeg, right? No, no, I did. I'm sorry. I said like uh, when I tossed the apples in with brown sugar okay, and just, cinnamon. Okay. Brown sugar, cinnamon. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I have a, I have uh, the, an actual nutmeg that I will, or a nut that I will actually like um, mm-hmm. grade with a uh, microplane over the top. Um, but I have recently pulled the nutmeg mm-hmm. out of it. So mm-hmm. I just use cinnamon and brown sugar at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I've played around with putting ginger in there. I've done pumpkin pie spice, which is a really good blend, mm. actually. You know, it, you think, oh, pumpkin pie. But no, it's a great blend of cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice. Um, that, that's, I've had some really good uh, effects from that, but it gets a little bit too far on, on the, the pumpkin pie side. So. Yeah. Um, I do strict, um, dark brown sugar and cinnamon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big apple. I mean, it, it's, it's a classic. It it's is delicious. It really um, is. I mean, my, my Steffi makes pies a decent amount. She's been doing the vodka, um, method where you use less water. Yeah. More vodka. And I heard you talking the, about this. Yeah. It, it is from America's test kitchen. It came from the testers who was like, uh, Kenji Alt, who's pretty famous now, in the, in, he's, he's pretty awesome. And has great yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like what you're having there is the 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 vodka, the the way it evaporates mm-hmm. and producing less gluten. Yeah, it just is like it makes it a more tender, flavorful, consistent pie dough. That's what we have found. Um, and because water bond like binds with the flour to form gluten and too much of it can make a, a tougher dough. Yes. Um, so that is why the vodka came in and there is no flavor because it, 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 uh, vapor, it vaporizes in the oven. Um, so it, and plus vodka is pretty mild, you know, yeah. overall. It's yeah. Really it's a neutral hot. spirit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. You know, I, I didn't talk about the water aspect and what I do is like when I do the butter, you know, the butter and flour situation, I actually have like a quart container that I fill with ice and then I, you know, I, mm, I put water in there and I'll take yeah. like a tablespoon at a time 
and I'll put the water in there and mix, put the water mm-hmm. in there and mix. And so I'm, I don't necessarily know how many tablespoons I use. I just know the texture based off of how I'm feeling it and where we, you know, how, you know, if I, if I, if it's smooth on the outside and it's not like flaking anymore, you know, it's good to go for me. Yeah. Yeah. Winner. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the vodka move. I'm going to try that though. Yeah. It's great. I mean, uh, I can print the recipe if you want to go straight from America's Test Kitchen. It works. Well, I have the America's Test yeah. Kitchen uh, cookbook that I've literally oh, cool. yeah, never opened. <laughs> so yeah. I'll check see if yeah, it's, it's in there. there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What you got All for right. your last one? Okay. Let's see. All right. So this is for Steffi. They are called Runsas. Oh. Um, Runsa is a uh, like a sweet bread. Um, it, I would say in a way it's kind of like a Hawaiian bun. Um, but it, it's a dough that uses condensed milk, sweet condensed milk, vegetable oil, sugar, egg, um, warm water, all purpose flour, and then yeast. Nice. Um, so you make a dough, um, then you're going to, uh, stuff it. You're going to fill it with what we do is ground beef, onion, cabbage, American cheese, and butter. Uh, so you're going to make the filling in that you're going to make these ball runces. You're going to stuff them, enclose it. They're a little handheld dough ball uh, about the size of um, like a, a man who's like 5'10 or something. They're, they're okay. big. Okay. They're, they're like a hamburger size, I'd say. And, um, and that's what you got. And it's just easy to eat delicious sweet dough with a savory creamy inside it has elements of a hamburger um but it's like more of like a sloppy joe in the middle but it's not so wet and dry um and then that american cheese just binds it all up uh it's runsa i from what i have learned about it it it's german but it's midwestern german so it is made in the u.s but it has german roots um and it, it's made by uh, german immigrants in the midwest mainly like wisconsin and uh minnesota area wow can can you now yeah. can you get them in portland i don't i've never seen it um at, at one point in time like i had this like idea of like okay so you have like a a bar that doesn't have late hours, and the only thing you serve are runsas um, and cocktails. But I know. Wow, that, that, that sounds idea. pretty but, awesome, actually. Like, would runsas sell well here? I, I think they would. Uh, I also have never like made them in a level where it was like prepared for service, like reheating them, um, or cooking them, or you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. But okay. Okay. As far as. Uh, Oh yeah, one other thing is like right when they come out of the oven, you just like put butter all over the top too. <laughs> oh my god, those sound yeah. amazing. Rune says it's a winner. Uh, so were you saying? Awesome. Were you saying Steffi makes those? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. She does more baking stuff in the house. I say I do almost none. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I didn't know make, that. Uh, I will make uh, cookies or brownies, but other than that, I don't do any baking. <laughs> Solid. Uh, I mean, you know, baking's such a, uh, it's a beast in itself. It, it, mm. it is, it is a science experiment on its own. And, and, you know, I can sit here and say, I don't know how much water I'm putting in, but there's a reason why that, that water's going in the way it is. And like, it mm-hmm. is, it's it just it, from the culinary side where we can sit there and we can make on the fly adjustments. You can't do that with baking. You just got to yeah. throw it away yeah. and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why recipes are so essential, basically. Yes. I mean, once Absolutely. you know the science and you, you learn, you know why these things are reacting, you come up with your own ideas. But a lot of it is about just uh, weight, weight and recipes. Yeah. Yeah. Weight, weight is the best way. And I, and I tell people that all the time. You want to be a good baker, learn how to cook by weight. And, and even yeah. – I mean, even in the culinary world, weight is still king, and I and I still believe that. Um, I, I there's a- aspects of of the job which I wish we could bring weight in in and make that a a thing, but um, 
yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. So I'm not going to get into that. Um, Okay. So my last one, and this is, uh, very specific to who I am in my childhood. Uh, but it is a, uh, bolognese, spaghetti bolognese. And to me, there is nothing better than a spaghetti bolognese. Uh, and I think that I can eat it any day of the week. I can eat it in any time ever, 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 any time of the year. Um, and when I cook it, I transform into this <laughs> classical music, uh, smile on my face, apron on. I'm making bread. I'm making fresh pasta. Like it's one of those. It's an event yeah. for me, and it's and it makes me smile, and it, and it makes me really happy. Um, but here's how I do it. You know, I start with your uh, your mirepoix, so onions, carrots, celery. Um, I do ground beef and i cut up pancetta that's my pork and beef mix um i deglaze with white wine and a lot Mm -hmm. of people are gonna be like you're supposed to deglaze with red wine but i disagree the white wine is where it's at the white wine is what you have to use um i like white wine red wine's too rich and red correct fruity it's too much it will actually turn your bolognese into something different. You might as well just call it a ragu yeah. at that point um, because yeah, it's not yeah. bolognese. Um, yeah. I use chicken stock. I use milk. Uh, for the tomatoes, yeah. I like to find a whole canned, whole uh, plum tomatoes. And this is something my, uh, my grandpa used to teach or taught me a long time ago is that you always crush you know, the tomatoes in your hands. But right after you do that, you take the oregano and you slap it and you, you sit there and you, you rub it in your hands until it all falls out. And he's nice. like, and the reason, and I always, I always wondered why he did that. And I, I was too young to really ask. Um, and then I asked my mom, I was like, why? And she's like, because it's like, you know, the oils in your hands are making that your sauce. You know, nobody is going to be able to get that flavor. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, well, that's a little far-fetched, but I kind of like the, uh, the, the, the feel of that. So I'm going to go with it, you know? And so I do it every time. Um, and then I let it cook <laughs> and I'm patient and it's on low and it goes all day. I start it at like, you know, uh, usually like nine or 10 in the morning, I start to do the cooking and we eat it at like six or seven at night. And yes. yep. It's the only way to do it. It's I freeze it because I always make more than I need, um, and it always comes out really nice out of the freezer, you know. And I just oh yeah, there's I, I just can't talk to enough about it. It's one of those things that I love it the next day, you know. You, you hear me talk about I have pasta in my um, fridge all the time. It's because of that right there. I I love it the next day. It's great. It's great. There's yep. something about like the way the flavors meld together in the refrigerator. It's yeah, like, it's it's like chili too. Chili oh, is better. Like chili is better. Soup, anything, any any of that stuff. It's always better the next day. Those flavors get to mix. All right. I love it. Yeah. I I also I what I I, I think Felix made something what and I tasted it was really good. But there's something what I always think about the bolognese is like. You know, it was really good when, like, one hour later, you're like, I need some fucking water. (laughs) Yes. Full on mouthfeel. It is not noticeably salty, but when you're done later, you realize, like, I just took a lot in there. I just, uh, my sodium levels are (laughs) through the roof right now. I always do uh, beef and pork. I've, and I will add bacon. I, th- I nice. like your pancetta idea. Yeah. The milk is really important too. The adding that extra fat, yep. that fat in there and you like bubble it out. And yeah, it I like it- also that it's a slow process. I love that. Yeah. And then it's also like, it's like eight hours of this smelling your kitchen oh. and your house. Like that smell is, better than- you know, we all have those things that transform us, right? That smell will do that to me. And it's just like, you know, it, it makes, puts me into a really happy place. Yeah, definitely. Well, shoot, man, we're long episode. We're sitting at an hour, four minutes for our probably longest episode ever. That was a really good one though. And, uh, man, yeah, really great episode, dude. Uh, we're going to get going. What's up? 
who's hungry now? The one listener? <laughs> I yeah. To that one listener, I hope you took all of this, and I hope you're going to go eat after it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Give uh, us a shout-out. Yeah. Give me a tweet. Get, Let me know hey, what you cook. Get on the Instagrams and yeah. throw us some, what do they call them, DMs? <laughs> so just yeah, DM, DM, DM me about slide, what Slide yeah. into my DMs. Yes. Um, no, just get on there. You know, shoot, us a, shoot us a message if you cooked any of this stuff, or if you have your own favorite recipe. It's always fun to, to talk and, and have like community. the podcast. We love those four stars, five stars. <laughs> subscribe. Don't hit forget to hit that subscribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Sean. Well, uh, great, great episode. Awesome uh, time talking with you. And uh, yeah. I hope you have a great night. Have a great night. All right, buddy. Yep. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, lean the Vega and get lit, what? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven With levitation from me Fish and Chanty Vets and Nate Seven Showboating with Rugas Flash vines Belafonte Digger Let's get forward this work As we confiscate your figures Casting over brown Levitating Jiki and Dashikis A la hot a car 54 Chasing diamond runners Headed high Big man The big chiller diamond Convention Harlem Buck Strut Freezing world heights Hollywood Madam Butterfly Let me in your house A pleasure From the knuckle swatch Shadow boxes Catching black eye blue I play the thief What? Sensations at the Monte Gaurus, screaming Chiba. Fulfilling pleasures in my castle, blow the smoke out. The Goss of Vega substitutes when the Dutch is gone. The load don't stop, give me shouts, it's the season. Sartayas, two flayers for swerving, no corners. We magnets to moolah, living with Charlie's angels on us. No smiling, we're sliding. That gets you caught up in the octa or dead for moving. It's just like that as we proceed. Saturday night special, better take it light. You jive, jive, you're a capitan. Quest to the coast, the key logger, wire the chain gang. Keep your ears out. For a year, sip the fountain blue, house of bamboo, paradise. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The cheeky vines and sugar dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, lean the vigor and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it, what?